Would you turn your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 1? Deuteronomy chapter 1. And this morning, I want to speak to you from a verse of Scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 17. That's our text. Deuteronomy chapter 17, chapter 1, verse 17. I'd like to ask that we remember in prayer this morning some of our people that are very, very sick. Mrs. Lillian Cowan is in critical condition at Greenview Hospital. I know you'll want to remember her in prayer this morning for God's hand upon her. There are others of our people who are very sick. So as we meet together, God's people, we want to bear one another's burdens and bear each other's heart cry to God. May we just pause as we pray, asking the Lord to touch these lives and others that are on your heart and open the Bible to us this morning. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the preciousness of prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. May there come a holy hush across our minds and hearts today as we place our minds, thoughts on Thee. Bless this dear one who's so very sick and others who have an interest in our prayers. May God's blessing, direction, hand be upon them. We do not know how to pray as well to pray, but with the longings of our soul, may the Holy Spirit, with groanings which cannot be uttered, make clear to God what we would say to Thee from our souls. Please open the Bible to us, and may we get from it the message God would have, and may the Holy Spirit move and draw people to Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen. The passage of Scripture <clears throat> was written by Moses. The Pentateuch was written by Moses, the meek man of God. And in this Scripture, he gives us so many precious insights. Much of the book of Deuteronomy, and incidentally that's the second book of the law, the second finding of the law. This is the book that was found stuffed behind the altar in the temple when a house cleaning was done one day. And when this book was found, the book of Deuteronomy, the king, the young king, uh, caused it to be read to all the people. And the people stood all morning and listened to this book being read. And it brought revival in Israel. It is an account of what happened in the wilderness wanderings. I just want to present two or three verses and then go to verse 17. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of the Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. I could preach this morning on the subject when 11 days became 40 years. The 11 days from coming out of Egypt to Kadesh Barnea to the promised land, in 11 days, God could have given the people that promised land, but they had faith failure. They wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. 
And then look at verse 7. Turn you and take your journey and go to the Mount of the Amorites and to all the places near there unto in the Arabah and the hills and in the Shephelah and in the Nagoth and by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon unto a great, the great river, the river Euphrates. God wanted to give the people that land. Now we take up in verse 15. Now Moses has been talking about the heaviness of the journey and, and uh, the schedule that he had was very, very hard. And he had been trying to handle the whole matter himself. And it was very hard. And so beginning in verse 15, he tells us sort of the, what happened during that wilderness wandering. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise men, and known and made them heads over you, captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, and captains over fifties, and captains over tens, and officers among their, your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren, and judge righteously between every man and his brother, and the sojourner who is with him. Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. And that's the text for this morning. The cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. Moses had led the Israelites for over 40 years. He had appointed certain heads of the tribes, wise men, people who were known, they were to be the, uh, take, they were the ones who would take care of the problems, the heartaches, and, the, and, the, and to be counselors, to listen to the judgments and the uh, difficulties that the people had. They were to not respect the person of any person. In other words, they were not to play favoritism. They were to listen to those problems. There was to be no fear of man in their lives. But if there was something too hard for them to handle, they were to take it to Moses. Now I want to lift that verse a little bit out of context. And uh, you know Moses was sort of like God to the people. I don't mean that he was ever an idol. And he was never, he never took the glory himself. He always was giving God the glory. But it could easily be said that Moses was like God to some of the people, to many of the people. And I think God would say something like Moses is saying here. God has given to us a lot of wise people. He's given us a mother. He's given us a dad. He's given us husband and wife. He's given us uh, good friends and wise people. He's given us in the church deacons and Sunday school teachers, pastors. And it's wise to bring some of the difficult things we have to these and let them help us with some of the problems we have. Sometimes the problems just come in on us so much that we have to have somebody we can talk with. 
We need to share this burden with others. That's the reason we don't always know the words to say to other people. But we just need to be there ready to listen or just standing there ready to hear them. That's the reason it's wise when there's a death in our church family for all of our members. Whether you know them intimately or not, just go by the funeral home, register your name, and then just sit a little while. Not so much that you know what to say, because who knows what to say in a time like that, but the fact that you're there says more than the words you would say. Just be there. But Moses is saying here, there are going to come times in your life when the situation is so hard and so tough that you won't feel like talking to anybody about it. You won't even know what to say. You won't know how to put it in words. And Moses says, in behalf of God, he said, when that time comes, when those hard times come, when those hard things come, you bring them to me, and I'll take care of them. Now, there are some things in life that we have to bring to God. There are a lot of hurts that come. We can make a list of all the hurts and the difficulties and the things that come into our lives that are so excruciating that really we wouldn't know what to say to another person about those things. Paul said there, there are even times when, when we need to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. And so we just have to wait before God and with groanings which cannot be uttered, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of our mind and makes those aware to God, makes, tells God about them. We need to do that from time to time. It's good to have a counselor. It's good to talk to our friends about our problems. Sometimes we wonder, what in the world would I do if I didn't have this friend, or if I didn't have this uh, dear loved one, if I didn't have my husband or my wife or, or my father or mother, somebody to be a confidant. But as close as those people are, there are going to come times in our lives when the, heart, the thing is too hard for them, just too hard for them. We won't know what to say to them. We don't, we don't know what words to use. And that's when the Lord says, and the cause that is too hard for you, bring it to me. I will hear it. The cause that is too hard for you, bring it to me, and I will hear it. Now, you imagine today all the causes that are too hard. I don't know them. It may be the sin cause in your life. You may have a, a sin problem that is too hard for you to bring to anybody else. You can't even discuss it with someone else. You don't know where to begin. You don't know what to say. Nobody on earth would ever understand that that thing is too hard. We need to bring it to God. There may be a heart hurt in somebody's life right in this auditorium or by radio this morning. And that hurt is so deep that you don't know how to express it. You wouldn't know how to talk about it with somebody else. It would almost seem like profanity or blasphemy or, or uncovering something very, very precious and personal to you to talk to somebody else about. Take it to God. 
the cause that is too hard for you, take it to the Lord. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. When the financial pressures are so great that you feel boxed in and closed in and you don't know what to do and you can't even talk to anybody about it, talk to the Lord. Take it to God. Are there times in your life when when it seems like that through no fault of yours, there are all kinds of problems piling up and piling up and piling up. And you've tried to examine your mind and your heart and, and honestly you cannot see where you have caused these, but they're there. Take, take them to the Lord. Take them to Jesus. Now that's what Moses is saying. And I want to just give you three, three reasons we need to take them to the Lord. And that's just a brief message this morning. Three reasons why we need to take these hard things to the Lord. Number one, because he will listen. He will listen. Sometimes we go to a human friend and, and uh, I know they want to help. And they try to listen. But maybe their mind is on something else. Or we feel in our heart that we're taking time from them. That we feel embarrassed about taking their time and so therefore we can't really be open and honest with them like we need to be take that thing to Jesus and he will listen to you no matter what it is he'll listen is the thing too hard for you take it to Jesus take it to the Lord he will listen to you the Bible says in James chapter 1, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That means he doesn't scold you for it. He won't ever scold you for bringing that burden to him. Just bring it to Jesus, and he'll take care of it. The second thing, the reason we need to take that burden to the Lord and take that hard thing to the Lord is because he will give our heart, wisdom, and judgment to know how to deal with it. Did you know that when we take these burdens to the Lord, all the heart cry of our soul, we just take them and leave them with Him and talk to Him about them. And sometimes it's helpful to talk to another human being too, who will listen, who is a prayer partner, somebody who will be attentive. But how precious when we just take it to the Lord, knowing that He'll listen, secondly, he will give our heart wisdom and judgment about how to deal with it. We may not know how to deal with it, but pretty soon we'll find coming, just sort of drifting down from God's throne, a wisdom, a discernment in our heart about how to deal with this problem. The things are too hard for you. Take them to me. I will listen. That's an invitation from God. And last of all, The Lord promises that when we take these hard matters to Him, He will go with us through them. Now, he won't always remove them, but He'll go with them. He'll go with us through them. I think of some illustrations. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in a strange place, in a strange land, in a strange situation. 
They had certain convictions in their heart that they knew were right. They would not bend or budge. They would not yield. And it seemed like everything was turning against them. And the king said, if you do not yield, if you do not bow, if you do not compromise, if you do not do what the law of the land is about this matter, you'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. And those three men said, hear, O king, our God is able to deliver us, but if he does not deliver us, listen to this, king, we will not bend, we will not budge. I've tried to read between the lines in that passage in Daniel to find out what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were really thinking. Sometimes I think they were so overwhelmed with the experience at the time, at the moment, that they were so taken up that it didn't make any difference. They had so much adrenaline pumped into their bloodstreams, it didn't make any difference. What happened? They were going to be true to God and they were going to stand. And they knew God would take care. At other times as I read this, I think, Maybe they were saying, Lord, uh, we're, facing, we're facing a fiery furnace over here. Uh, we're your servants. Would you not deliver us out of that? Uh, Lord, don't make us go through that. And yet there was sort of a silence from heaven. God did not tell them what he was going to do ahead of time. You and I face things like that. We face all kinds of problems we face all kinds of hurdles, and God does not always tell us ahead of time how he's going to take care of it, how it will all end out. But those men had faith in the Lord, and they said, whether God delivers us or not, we're going to take this stand. And they took the stand, and God did not deliver them, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They had to go through it. But right out there in the fiery furnace, while they were in it, there was a fourth person that appeared. Jesus was there. And he stood with them. And he was so with them that their hair didn't get singed and their clothes didn't get burned and the smell of fire didn't even come on them. And the Lord just walked around in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king looked in there and he couldn't believe his eyes. And he said, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I see a fourth person. He looks like the Son of God. And it was indeed the Son of God. And they came walking out of the fiery furnace. What is the fiery furnace you may have to go through? God doesn't promise to deliver you out of it. He doesn't say, I'm going to fix it so everything will be all right and you won't have to go through this trial. You won't have to go through the heartache. Some through the fire. Some through the floods. But he said, I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. Not only will God listen, not only will he give your heart wisdom, but when you take those hard things to God, he says, I'll be with you, and I'll go with you through the valley and through the tough times. I'll be right there with you. I think of Daniel himself. Jealousy is a hate, a terrible thing. And you know there are people hated Daniel, they were jealous of him. They thought that the king liked him too much. <laughs> Have you ever felt like somebody liked someone else too much and they favored them too much? They were jealous of Daniel. They thought King Nebuchadnezzar liked Daniel too much. And so uh, they decided they were going to lay a trap for him. And they got the king to sign an edict saying, 
anybody that prays to any other god other than Nebuchadnezzar and that image for a certain space of time, we're going to throw him in the lion's den. They passed the law. Daniel wasn't there when they passed it. He was prime minister of the land. He wasn't there. And they passed the law. And Daniel knew about it. And Daniel's custom was to pray three times a day. Prayed with his window open. Prayed with the door open. Now I know there's a time for closet prayer, but there's a time for praying in public. When you go out to eat a meal, Christians, let your wit- one of the greatest silent witnesses that we can have is when we sit down at a restaurant, just stop and pray. You don't have to get up and shout, hey everybody, listen, I'm going to pray. You don't have to do that, just, just quietly pray. They'll notice it. And they'll sense there's something different. There'll come a holy hush. Or else they make fun of you. One of the two. <laughs> Making every switch they do. And so, Daniel, was his, it was his custom to pray three times a day, so he just went in the morning and he prayed. He went at noontime and he prayed. He went in the evening and he prayed. And they came along and looked. And then they took the message back to the king and said, now, did you not make an edict that anybody that prayed to any other god other than you would be thrown the, in the lion's den? Yes, we made that edict. Well, oh, king, Daniel has done it. Well, the king's heart was smitten because he loved Daniel. But it was the law of the Medes and Persians. He couldn't take it back. And so he said to Daniel, oh, Daniel, is thy God able to deliver thee? Daniel said, my God is able. Now, listen. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if God had said, Hey, Daniel, you're my servant. You've loved me. You've been, you've been an honor to me. And you've been somebody that I could count on. I'm not going to let you go through that trial. I'm going to fix it so that uh, they'll, when they try to cast you down in the lion's den, that uh, you, they'll put you over on the other side. Or the king will change his mind and break the law. It wasn't anything like that at all. God said, Daniel, you're going to have to go through this. But remember, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You don't have to go by by yourself. The hard things, take them to Jesus. Daniel went to the Lord in prayer, and they threw Daniel down in the lion's den. What happened? God was with Daniel, and he took care of him. I think he slept on the lion's stomach that night. And the paws of the lion sort of formed a blankets and so on. And he wasn't even cold. God took care of him that night. I'll be with you. I'll go with you through it. Do you have some pressing trial that you're facing? Something you do not know how to handle? The hard things take to God. Now I want to give you another illustration. It doesn't sound as victorious. God called Jeremiah to go down and preach to Jerusalem. He said, Jeremiah, they're not going to believe you. They're not even going to listen. Matter of fact, they're going to be mean to you. And Jeremiah went down to Jerusalem and he preached for 40 years. He preached right up until 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came marching in and took the city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah had preached and pled and begged for the people to repent and turn to God. And they wouldn't listen. You know what they did to Jeremiah? They put him in a dungeon. They put him in the stockades. They said, well, you old Jew, we wish you'd die. They abused him. 
And as far as we can tell, there were no converts. Forty years. And the very thing he gave his life to, he stood back and saw it go down in ruin. The Babylonians came in and marched around the city and took it and destroyed it. And Jeremiah stood back in that place called Jeremiah's Grotto and he wept and he prayed and he cried out, Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Where's God? Why did God let his man go through a thing like that? God had plans and purposes that were beyond our understanding. God said, Jeremiah, I'm with you. Now listen. The labor leader, Gadaliah, took Jeremiah down to Egypt and killed him. You say, that's the end. No, it isn't the end. Have you read Jeremiah lately? <laughs> it's one of the most triumphant books ever, ever written. And for all these hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been reading in the book of Jeremiah. You see, God has different ways of handling things. He doesn't always promise you human victory. He doesn't always say, I'll get you out of the ditch. But he says, I'll be with you in it. I'll be with you. You think of Isaiah. Isaiah was a court prophet. He was like the Billy Graham of our day. He dared to go to the courts. And incidentally, anybody that says a preacher should have nothing to do with the courts or the government or with the political system and arena does not understand the Bible. Isaiah over and over again went right into the king's court. Sometimes he would put his finger in the king's face. He was the royal prophet until the tide of popular opinion turned against him and Manasseh, the meanest king that ever lived, took Isaiah out and strung him up between two trees and sawed him in two. Isaiah? Yeah, that's the man that wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah is probably one of the favorite books of the Bible. He died in one of the trials. You say, well, that's failure. No, no, no. Have you picked up the book of Isaiah lately? Gotten blessed from it? Just gotten blessed from it? Just from reading it. And did you see all those things in there that he prophesied about the first coming of the Lord? His name should be called Emmanuel. He was smitten. We esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we healed. That's the Isaiah that we read about today, and we read from him and get blessed by him. And he took the hard thing to God, and God said, Isaiah, I'm going to get glory out of your death. Preacher, you're preaching a hard word this morning. I'm telling you, let's take the hard things to God. He said, I'll listen. I'll give you wisdom and judgment, and then I'll be with you. Sometimes I'll be with you through it and bring you out humanly and you'll be victorious. Sometimes I'll be with you and you go down to the valley and you'll have to trust me with the future. 
We read about Isaiah. We read about that dear man who dared to translate the Bible into the English language. And while they were burning him at the stake, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, oh God, open the king of England's eyes. And in just a few years, the king of England, King James, gave an edict that the Bible be translated into English language, and that's the King James Version we use today. It's an answer to prayer. While a man was dying at the stake, be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. But we must not have a success jargon that says the only way I can understand God taking care of me is for me to be successful. Because sometimes life ends in a divorce. Sometimes there's a bankruptcy. Sometimes there are tears and we feel like saying where's God in all of this God is still on the throne take your hard things to the Lord I'll be with you I'll take care of you remember Job we never will know exactly why Job had to go through all that he went through he lost his children he lost his family he lost his his lands he lost his cattle and his wife said you old fool curse God and commit suicide and all these things, Job would not do that. He did not, he did not charge God foolishly. And he went through the fire. And he went through the flood. And he went through the turbulence. And after a while, God said, all right, Job, I'm going to put you on display before the world. I'm going to bless you gooder than you've ever been blessed in all your life. In the last few days of Job's life, his whole family, a new family was restored. And Job got from God the things that have been taken away. Not all the stories end like Job. Some of them end like Isaiah. Some of them end like Jeremiah. Some of them end like Tyndale. But I want to tell you today, I have good news for you. Take the hard things to God. Now the hardest thing we have is the sin problem. My dear friend, the hardest thing we have in life is the sin problem. Sin brings pride, and we get egotistical, and we're afraid to confess it and turn away from it, or else it defeats us, and we're so down in the valley that we do not know how to look up, and we feel constrained by guilt. Sin is a monster, it's a deceiver, and it breaks people's hearts, and it breaks people's homes, and it breaks people's lives. And it puts them right on the border of eternity. The question is, will you take that sin to Jesus? He'll listen. He'll give your heart wisdom and judgment. And thirdly, he said, I'll be with you in your sin. What? I thought God hated sin. God hates sin, but I'll be with you in your sin. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. I went to the cross to be with you in your sin. And I took all of your sins and all of your iniquities in my own body and I stood in the mouth of hell and I said, don't go to hell, don't go to hell. Trust the blood to cleanse you from all sin. And whoever has come to Jesus the blood way has been cleansed and forgiven. Will you come that way today? May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank Thee that Jesus is victor. 
and that he has invited us to bring the hard things to God. Lord, help somebody in this room who's had a hard way, maybe a hard home situation, hard parent situation, maybe abuse situation, maybe a divorce situation, a broken brokenness, maybe terrible sin, a terrible feeling of guilt. Lord, may all these things be brought to Jesus. And may we know that he understands and will take care. We pray that somebody who has never been saved would come to Christ today and receive him as Savior and Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May we stand, please. What is our song, Brother Jim? 249. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. Now this is God's invitation. I want to plead with you today to do something about what you've heard. You've heard God speak to you. Let him have his way with you just now. Will you do it? God help you to do it. You may be here and you've been laboring under an awful burden. Take that burden to the Lord. He'll listen to you. He'll give your heart wisdom and judgment. And then he'll say, I'll be with you. You don't have to go by yourself through it. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. And if it's a sin burden, you've never been saved. You've never taken that thing to Jesus. Take it to him today. He's a friend of sinners. He cares about you. He loves you. Will you come to him with your heart cry? Just come, and he that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. While we pray, while we sing, is there somebody who will come to Jesus today? God help you.